0: This episode was recorded and produced on the land of the Gamaragal people, the Aboriginal people of Manly and Northern Sydney. I acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land and pay my respect to any elders past, present or emerging. To season two of the High People podcast, which is super exciting, episode number 11. Thank you so much for your support, for listening in. The feedback is always awesome. We're going to make a couple of changes around here. It's been awesome fun, and I'm loving doing it, but I've obviously got to balance work and a couple of other things in the process. So, we are going to drop episodes now on a fortnightly basis, not a weekly basis, but I'll keep you on your toes. We might have a couple of special episodes drop midweek every so often. So keep your ears out. Keep your eyes out. We're going to drop some episodes fortnightly from now on. And looking forward to continue to bring you some more stories. So as always, please jump on Instagram, like some posts, uh, interact with us. Jump on Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast, Google, Apple, review where possible and i always love to hear your feedback so thank you so much for this but on to episode 11 he's been requested a lot of the people spoke and particularly a lot of the guys from my old cricket club spoke to get this guy on and his name is chad Soper, who has just recently returned from the t20 world cup uh, playing for Papua new guinea who has an awesome story of how he got there the efforts that he had to do uh, the process behind everything But you'll find this is a really, really interesting story. So let's get into it. This is the story of Chad Soper. Our next guest is another friend of mine that um, I've played cricket against, I've played cricket with, I've watched him on TV, um, you know, it's been through a lot of his journey and his ups and downs with cricket and sport. And it is awesome to chat with him. And again, this is the second person now that we've spoken to in quarantine. So with anyone that's getting in quarantine, you're going to get a text message from me saying, you're coming on the podcast because you've got nowhere to go. So... Chatty Soper, welcome to the High People podcast, mate. It's awesome to have you on.
1: Hey, Clades. Yeah, it's good to be here, man. I'm really uh, really stoked to be here and be able to actually catch up with you finally after all this time.
0: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Well, okay, so we had a really quick chat before we hit the record button here. How many days are you in in quarantine? And how many... So when do you get out of quarantine?
1: Uh, So, yeah, I get in... uh, I'll be probably day... I think I'm day nine now. No, maybe 10. So I get out on Monday. I you kind of lose track of days are uh, being in quarantine and being on tour. So yeah, uh, I've included the bubble. I've been away from since August. So I've uh, been away yeah, from home. Wow. So yeah, it'd be good to get home. I'm nearly home, but it's a bit of a sort of just a little journey in the journey yeah. here, just sitting in by myself with my thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, that would that would kill me enough. Uh, being being there. What well, what have you been doing to pass the time? Like I think we'll ta- I was talking to Greeny about this um, on episode I think seven, and and he was like it's just interesting like what do you do like you know i don't think a normal um you know person per se will probably experience the quarantine nature outside of being a professional sportsman and the like and which we'll get to but what have you been filling your time with
1: uh yeah so drinking a lot of coffee um i finished all the (laughs) sachets within the first sort of three days um so they luckily the hotel put on some nice coffee uh downstairs so i've been ordering that to the room nearly probably twice a day um which is pretty expensive if you have have a look at it but um there's good food around so i've been ordering a bit of uber eats so you know they might roll me out of here later on but um you know i've been entertaining myself with some food watching some netflix and got the xbox set up so i've been playing online a fair bit so full gamer mode (laughs)
0: what's the game what's the game of choice at the moment oh
1: a bit embarrassed to say it but uh halo a bit of bit of halo so uh Mate, mine nothing with wrong with
0: Halo, man. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with Halo. That game is amazing. And FIFA. Nothing yeah. wrong with that FIFA at all. FIFA as
1: well. I'm oh. trying to bring up my, you know, my level of coolness, but uh, a bit more Halo than that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, people who don't know you, obviously, um, outside of cricket, where I suppose, where have you been um, in the in the last, sort of since August? What have you been up to?
1: Yeah, so uh, I played for the Papua Guinea, the PNG Barramundis uh, in cricket. So we qualified for the... 20 world cup that was still going at the moment and uh, as you can probably tell we, we bowed out after round one but um for being in quarantine now but yeah i've been there and it's all it was over in oman at the start we were there for uh probably the first month and a half uh playing one day internationals and then um yeah we, we progressed onto the world cup stages and we played in the stage sort of, sort of round one of that and then Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, we we just had to win one of our three games and we bowed out after the the third game, unfortunately, which is good. But, you know, it was a good experience for everyone. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't how we wanted to go. But, you know, it was just an amazing experience. First time we've ever actually ever made a World Cup. So it was amazing to be a part of the team and uh, represent the motherland. So, yeah, it's awesome.
0: Yeah. Not many people in their life, particularly cricketers at my level and the like, are going to be like, I played at a World Cup. So, mate, the fact that you did that is an (laughs) incredible achievement. Um, and something I know then, these boys in particular, Northern District boys, when we were watching you play, uh, WhatsApp was going off and whenever you got that wicket or hit that six, the boys were absolutely loving that. So it was awesome to see you play. I suppose we will get to cricket and how um, that came about because that's obviously a massive part um, of your story. Um, what are some of the reflections that you take away from your time um, in the T20 World Cup and, and even the country of Amman, which looks like a very interesting country, from watching it um, on video and, and seeing your Instagram stories and the like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start with Oman. Yeah, Oman, is, it's an incredible place. You know, um, I read a bit about it before I went there and sort of, you know, I thought it was all gonna be desert and sand and um, when, especially when we arrived and there's just, you know, mountains and mountains. That's all I can really say, It's just terrain, rough terrain. And I thought, where's the beach? Like, get me, you know, you and I are both, you know, salty, <laughs> salty dogs. So we love being in the ocean. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I was just like, show me the beach. And then once we saw, once I saw water, it was incredible. It was just crystal, crystal, uh, like blue, clear water, um, just stretched along, you know. The, I couldn't tell you which sea it was. I knew I knew it, uh, the Gulf of Omar. Um, and that's where we were yeah. staying, you know. And what, a, you know, what, a, what an amazing place. We were looked after it pretty well there. And um, yeah, just being able to go and explore in between, you know, from on the beach, we right had a private beach at our hotel. Um, and I uh, got, got to get in the ocean and just experience, you know, Omar and the people there that were coming through. You weren't allowed to sort of sit with people but everyone came into contact with uh, amazing people friendly really welcoming people and um a lot of expats over there as well which was you know a mm. surprise because you know going through dubai you see a lot of you know expats and a lot of people alike but uh i didn't expect that in Oman, and it turned out to be a holiday destination for a lot of people from there so uh yeah it was good to meet a lot of different people and you uh, know when the bubble ended um but yeah it's just uh, an incredible place the world cup itself was what an experience. Yeah. Just hmm. takeaways, I guess, you know, it was just being grateful for every opportunity that came with the bad end ball for me. Um, and realizing that, you know, at the end of the games, these guys are just cricketers and they just love the game of cricket themselves and, you know, they're actually just, you know, normal people but they love the game and they just excel and execute their skills better than, you know, than you know, the average cricketer back home and you know, in Australia. So Um, They got to, you know, meet some amazing people as well and and see some big names and that was pretty cool and, um, yeah, just making sure that I, you know, made the most of every opportunity and every conversation I had with anyone, you know, so you never know when the last game will be and I just, you know, wanted to enjoy it for what it was. I love
0: it. And I uh, reiterate when every time we in my house, mate, we're on the Chad sofa, we're on the PNG barra's <laughs> big bandwagon. We were all about it. And I don't know, like, I think you, I think you saw it, but when you got your first poll, first wicket, sorry for the non, <laughs> non cricketers out there, mate, yeah. that WhatsApp chat went off. I think the whole Indies club was <laughs> oh, yeah. watching it. Um, you know, as per the rules, you obviously had, did not have your phone on you until yeah. the very end of that, not, that evening as per cricket rules, I'm sure you would have had, a fair yeah. thousand, few messages <laughs> when phone, after the that, phone that blew uh, up. game.
1: Yeah, the phone blew up. It was funny about that. Uh, you know, I the phone actually blew up after the first game, and I didn't even play the first game that we played against the team played against Oman. I was um I was a bit, I was injured actually actually injured. But um I um we got home after the you know after the game and got our phones back off the bus and logged onto the Wi-Fi and the phone just like lit up and I thought, <laughs> what have I done? You know. And then it turned out that one of the boys had got hold of the interview that uh, ICC did with me and um where I made a few mistakes and errors and I'm sure you've, you, you've seen it, but um, yeah, basically I, I think I, I saw on uh, online I had about a hundred message requests in my inbox on Facebook and Instagram um, and <laughs> like follows and and like, and I'm not one to, I don't, it's not something to me, but it was just funny to see, you know, that, you know, I was like, I didn't even play. I haven't even play yet. But then see so, yeah, seeing the WhatsApp group after the game where I did play in Scotland and, I uh, managed to get a few wickets, which was, you know, that's a blessing. And I was grateful, but, um, yeah, just seeing the WhatsApp and the support from family and mates that even some schoolmates have, you know, back in the days, where I haven't spoken to them and seen them for years and they were messaging through saying they're watching. So it was pretty powerful and awesome to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. So good. Well, we'll Feeling leave. We'll park cricket. Yeah. It's so good. We'll park <laughs> cricket there because, um, it is an awesome story and it is obviously a massive part of your life and I think the the cool part we'll see will be seeing how this all you know gets to this point of of being representing you know Papua New Guinea in a world cup which is you know just like a peak um sporting achievement so where does it all start for you though Chaddy? like where where were you born um what does your your family look like you know what was those early stages of Chad Soper's life
1: yeah, I was born in uh, Papua New Guinea. Um, to uh, My mum's from Papua New Guinea herself. She's from Millen Bay, uh, which is a really nice part of PNG. My father's a Kiwi. Uh, he's a Pakia, so he's a, he's a white man, which a lot of my mates in school never really understood until they met him. Um, but uh, yeah, so I come from a mixed-race family, which is awesome, um, and I've got a little sister as well. She's six years younger than me, who's just had a baby, so I've become an uncle for the first time this year uh she's five months now my my niece yeah uh so big shout out to her but uh yeah so i grew up in um i was born in papua New guinea i came over when i was two to australia we went via new zealand so met all the the kiwi fauna over there and then come over to uh central coast and i've been on the Central coast since uh turning 30 in in a few weeks so that's how long i've basically been 28 years on the central coast um played all my junior cricket uh everything uh, school by fall on the central coast went to kingcumber high school kingumber primary school so uh, been a been a local boy there and I'm still living around those parts now and working around there so yeah that's where it all began really
0: proper coasty is what we were and bread <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. was the um if what was there was there a major decision obviously from uh, your parents moving from png um, to australia what what did that look like
1: yeah, so dad was over there working for Westpac in a, on a I think it was a two or three year contract uh, there, and that's he, he was working with my mum's sister, so that's how they got introduced. Um, uh, he was staying in a, sort of an expats compound in Moresby, um, and by the end of it, he was basically a local uh, from all my aunties and stories from all my aunties and family. They they said he was walking around like a local man, so uh, he loved it there. He loved his time there. He played a lot of rugby league over there as well. My dad's comes from a football background, and the um, uh, yeah, so. That's where it all sort of began. They came over when his contract ended and uh, they went via, like I said, via New Zealand and met the family over there and showed me around and then um, come over to the Central Coast. And Dad got a job down in Sydney working at a pharmaceutical company, pharmaceutical company that he's still there with now. And, um, yeah, mum, Mum's mum been there basically meeting and knowing everyone on the Central Coast. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> How good. You went, You said you went to King Cumber Public, King Cumber High, um, all that focus. Was, um, was Chatty Soper a good student or was he a focused in other areas
1: I had no choice you know TNG mother man she uh she would, she would have killed me otherwise so yeah I was school <laughs> captain uh primary and high school school captain um I guess I was uh captain of a few footies and uh, cricket teams as well so I guess I had those sort of leadership I just like being uh inclusive and you know including a lot of people and I just I was about connecting people up and um I just felt like you know I was always taught to you know love, love one another and I, I really valued that, and from a young age, and I guess you know you always respect and you look, you look after whoever's, whoever's around you. So I, I use that to my um, I guess I use that to my advantage, and people have seemed to like me that way. So I guess I was good you know, amongst the kids and the teachers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where did the you know passion for sport? And you said you know your old man you know played footy and in PNG and. Yeah, obviously being a New Zealand background, he's literally gotta you gotta love rugby, I think if you come from New Zealand. I think it's just part of it. But where did the the passion for sport, you know, all sports, not just cricket, but where did they um come from? Did was that built into you from the young or did you pick it up through school or how did those passions come about?
1: Yeah, I I, my apparently my dad tells a story of when I was young, I used to ask him to just roll me the cricket ball, um, when I was about I think I was about two or three, he said, like it's just once I could hold a bat I was Playing with a cricket bat out the backyard, and I'd always have I had a lot of mates that you know it was back in those days I guess so it's weird saying that now but back in those days everyone <laughs> everyone played sport you know so it was like a thing to do and yeah. um and I yeah I grew up in a you know community in Kingcome there community where you know there's a lot of surface everyone's down at the beach Uh you grow up around you know playing sport a like, lot of lot of touch football a lot of cricket um, and I was always just encouraged to give everything a crack really um, and my again and my sporting um, I guess my schools are very good at sports, um, and most most sports, I guess, um, generic sports too. So you know, you're always encouraged to have a crack. And again, yeah, my dad was um, so my dad grew up in Cronulla, then in Kiwi, and growing up in Cronulla, rugby league was always his sort of you know number one. But he started with me with soccer. I learned all my I guess my teammate uh, you know teamwork skills and, and motor skills there. And then I I think he saw that I had hand head and eye coordination from a young age, so he he just encouraged me to play you know cricket break the league, anything, just give it a go and, you know, have fun and meet people. And they, I think they saw the importance of, you know, social interaction there with the kids and, you know, community as well.
0: I mean, it's one thing I'll always be so thankful for is that, you know, my dad's a massive sport fanatic and I'm a sport fanatic now, but I look back on those early years (laughs) of like how much they informed, you know, how I think about teamwork or what I think about leadership or playing a role, um, Within a team, you know those types of things. They're they're in, invaluable, um, as far as I'm concerned. In the sense of even now, how do you how you be a leader in a workplace today, or or a sporting field with a with a bunch of adult? Was there any key takeouts that you took from sport in a, in an early age, or were you just there, just loving it and playing because you just loved it?
1: Uh, apart from yeah, I, I always had a passion to play uh, in, in any sport. I just love the competitiveness of the of the um, challenge, you know, that you set. Um, And the feeling that, that feeling of, you know, when you achieve something, it's just that, that buzz you get from, you know, being able to go, I did that. Like I actually backed myself to do that. Um, But I also like the, the, I talk about with cricket a lot, the mental game. So being able to deal with adversary um, and also, you know, on your own, but also in a team sense as well, dealing with obstacles and adversary and being able to overcome that, um, you know, with, with mates and on your own, I think that's really important. Those are important skills to have because it's, they're real life skills because um, you know, life's not life's not always great and on Rosie. So, I guess you learn mm-hmm. if you learn that from a young age, I think it's really important to, to those skills are very important and, and being able to deal with that later on in life because you have loss, you know, you, you lose people in life, you have things that happen that don't always go the way you think they're going to go. And I think it's how you deal with that and how you come back from that is, um, is so important. And I think sport really teaches that. So.
0: Yeah, awesome. I love that. Love that reflection. I would agree very much. So, <laughs> what, deep there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. No, this is what it is. I love these. We've had a couple of episodes lately where we've gone very deep, and it's it's just good fun because I think this is this is what shapes people's lives. This is what shapes decisions and, and and moves them forward. So, and I think this is why we're getting you know some cool feedback. Cause it's just hearing about the normal people's stories, you know what I mean? Like yeah. albeit you played cricket for PNG and played, you know, um, 30 40 odd games for PNG whatever it may be now. Which is a normal dude from the coast. Like really that um, <laughs> it's just better than cricket than a lot of us.
1: <laughs> Some of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was um what was life for uh for Chaddy after school? You know what 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 were the the next steps there? Where did you go? Did you go tertiary education? Did you work? Did you what was the next steps for you?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I'll be open about it. I didn't go very well in my HSC. I, I was pushed to do well, but I was always distracted with sports. So I um I I was never really you know scoring high. I was I, I came from a year that I think the UAI was probably going to be about eighty odd um, from my my year at school. But you know we we hadn't you know a number a fair amount of guys that represented New South Wales or went on and progressed into professional careers of sports. So it was a bit of a you know. From a public high school perspective, it was you know that's kind of the direction I guess we were going in a way like you know you put your head down, but that's where I went and you know I got I got encouraged to go and um, my mum always encouraged me to do well you know, school work wise. So I, I gave I didn't get a good enough mark to get into. I wanted to do teaching PE teaching um, and even though mum wanted me to do physiotherapy, I um, I didn't, didn't <laughs> get the right mark for that. So I had to do a uh, did a bridging course coming out of school um, at the Arimba Uni- University there, Newcastle Uni and. I um, did it like a yeah, so sort of like a bridging course to get into uni, and I did really well on that. I uh, met some good, you know, good mates there as well, and then um, ended up getting into PE teaching the following year, uh, which I am five five years in, and then I put it on hold when I made the, my Barrowmundy's debut because uh, cricket and travelling and group assignments didn't really mix too well. So, mm. I up, I've put that on hold. I think I've got about a year and a bit to go, which looking back now, you know, probably the chance to have done it by now, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah, no, I went into uni, did that. Um, and I got my first, you know, sort of uh, jobs at, coming out of school as well. I never really worked through school. I never really had, I could have had time, but I never really had time personally because I was traveling yeah. a lot with sport, uh, rugby and cricket and things like that. So I, um, yeah, got my first job out of school and then, i've only only until the last few years i've actually landed my first full-time job at a at the cricket shop um, on the summer coast everything sports good shout out to them um, and working working in uh, as a in the store at the cricket shop and then also as you know warehouse manager there so we've been working in sales and retail and i've been doing that pretty much my since coming out of school working in i uh, worked in a shoe shop uh for nearly 10 and 11 years part-time uh with some of the best guys at the athletes foot there and then that taught me a lot of uh, life skills as well. The boss there taught me a lot. and um, I owe a lot to him for where I am right now with being able to communicate to people, being able to meet people, hold conversations, uh, being able to sell the product. I owe a lot to him. So uh, that taught me a lot. And then now it's landed me a job there. And I've just recently also got a job with Barker College with uh, some of the MDs boys there and as a coach. So that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go into coaching uh, full time. Um, and I thought it do a little side hustle as well in my own private coaching too. So that's been my life basically outside of coming out of school um, and then not including any cricket.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, busy, busy, man. Yeah, and probably. I suppose the, the big thing for me is that, um, so the, cric- the cricket side of things is, you know, it's it nearly wouldn't be your story if we didn't talk about cricket and the like. And, you know, I, I, I can just see some people being like, oh, you're talking about cricket again but it's, it''s it's not always about that because your story of how you actually came to play for PNG um, is a really really cool one. So I suppose my, my first question to, to lead you into this story is at what point did you realize or recognize that playing cricket for PNG, whether at an age level or at a, a full-time men's level was actually something you could do?
1: Um, I was playing, playing for Gordon um, in it was 2000, 2008, 2009, and I was doing all right. I was playing a bit of first grade, and I was pretty young then, so I was, I was in the sort of 17s and 19s New South Wales squads, um, or, you know, getting considered to be in those, you know, in those teams, and then um, had a shoulder injury, put me back, um uh, basically my first ever property injury and uh, put me back so I was able to sort of you know rehab and be a part of the team came back from that uh, they selected the team and I was i didn't see it at the time but I was behind the pack of the bowlers that they were looking for and pretty pretty quality team at the time but um I yeah I, I didn't get selected and then it was kind of like that was you know it was either that's make a bag sort of year for a lot of cricketers coming through the pathways now um you know it's by 20, you kind of want to be playing at least some sort of state-level cricket and it uh, kind of, you know, it upset me a fair bit, but I got, a, got an opportunity to, um, I got a, my dad, he, he noticed Under-19s World Cup was going on and it started, it started to become broadcast on TV a fair bit more, the Under-19s uh, World Cups. Um, and he noticed PNG we had a team in there and basically just reached out, just said, just sent an email. He started looking up, you know, cricket PNG and, and noticed that they, they play a fair bit of cricket and they're doing all right and, um, to be playing in under 19 World Cups did a bit of research on the team and everything and because um, I'd always follow the Kumals you know in rugby league so I knew that PNG had national teams and I was always keen to get back there and they hadn't been back home since I was born there and so I was about 20 at the time and then dad um, started looking into that and um, got an email back basically saying that the trials for the under 19s team for the next World Cup is going to be happening um, in the next you know in the following year would you be interested in you know, we, we understand Chad's playing, you know, first grade in Sydney. We are definitely love to have a look at him and, you know, always, um, you know, and it was like about how do I qualify and being born there, I qualified. So, uh, some guys that don't, you know, look at you know, Jaron Jones that played for England, and he's PNG Mix. Yeah, he actually played for Papua New Guinea as well after he finished with England. And um, oh, wow. so that, you know, we heard about that sort of stuff, you know, and then, um, yeah, got an opportunity to go over there and um, meet the boys for two months, Played played a bit of local club cricket and... I of my uncle comps and then yeah got basically got a call straight after the well, as i was coming home i got a call and said mate you're going to be in the 19s uh, world cups side and for P- png and you know you're one of our first selected so uh good luck and, and that's where it all sort of kicked off you know after that
0: that's awesome so you head off to the under 19s world cup yep. um where was that played in the was it played international was it played in australia where was it played
1: uh, it was even better because it was in Brizzy. So it was um it was the 2012 Under 19s World Cup where um Australia and India played the final and, and um, Australia lost that one, but it was the one with you know the Harry Conway was there, Sandu, uh Bancroft that age group. So they they were they were through. And being I was actually a year older than them and PNG at, at that time being an associate nation, where you had a one year grace. So I was I was a twenty-year-old playing the under 19s World Cup. Um because you had a one year, yeah, one year grace. So I was given it basically a second chance to actually make a, you know, another cup, which was a blessing in itself, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was just straight through there. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> what did you learn from from that tournament? Were you at that point? Well, I suppose even even going further back, were you at that point? You played for PNG. Be like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Like, I want to play for PNG.
1: I'll never forget that first trip home, Crates. That. Being able to go home and see uh, my family and, and just part, even parts of my, I've still met all my family, but meeting meeting and and being on the ground and actually just feeling the place, feeling the energy of the place and just experiencing the culture that I've been brought up around with the, so many aunties in Sydney and New South Wales and Queensland and all that. But being actually being, being there and, and meeting the boys and that have a passion like me and grown up in a house like me, eating the same foods, listening to the same music, that really that ticked something in my heart and I remember leaving on the plane and just going like I just need to get back here like I need this is this is home Like this feels like home to me and then that was it mm-hmm. that was that ignited something in me and then seeing the level of the um the players that were playing there knowing that I could um knowing that I could compete at that and and do and make a difference um was you know that was huge for me and then you know playing that under 19s team and um, there's about, I think there's about six or seven of them that are in the national team now with me still. And so creating those connections with those boys back then and, um, and still holding that now is something I'll always cherish and the people you meet along the way. So, um, yeah, and then being able to do well, I did, actually had a pretty good um, World Cup as well uh, with the ball. I was probably a bit quicker back then, so dealing a bit more you know, <laughs> opportunity, opening the bowling piece so, as well. So um, I did all right. I was lucky to get some wickets and um, turn a few heads, which was good, and then, yeah, got invited back after that. Um, the PNG regularly after that,
0: and, um, and then yeah, ticks it off everything there with that as well. Beautiful. So cricket has taken you all over the world, and even to certain countries that I would argue that the layperson may not just stumble across. You know what I mean? It's not just like a country that you go, oh, I'm going to go to Amman, for example. <laughs> like it's probably not in my top twenty of countries that I would have thought about going to. What did cricket as a PNG barramundi Mundi look like? You know, what was the schedule? What was the, um, you know, what was the travel like? And I suppose it it leads into my next question: is what was your official men's PNG debut? Where, how, how'd you go?
1: Yeah, so um, so the the journey for uh, cricket PNG is not not at all like the Australians, uh, the Kiwis, the guys we watch on TV. So. You end up playing associate teams like Hong Kong, Scotland, Oman, uh, Namibia. You go to places and you play against teams like these, and even playing in uh, East Asia Pacific tournaments like with Vanuatu and Fiji and Samoa, and seeing, and and playing, you know, playing over there and playing cricket on, on synthetic wickets, and you know, playing against guys that are twice your size and solid that look like rugby players, but they're playing cricket and they move like cricketers, you know. So. Um, yeah, just being able to, you know, go and experience in different cultures and places has been awesome. Uh, but life of a cricket PNG player, you, you're you working uh, Monday to Friday's work. So you're, you're there from at the ground, basically from eight o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the afternoon. And that that doesn't mean you're training the whole time. It just means that you're, you're either doing a gym session in the morning with the boys, go to the pool, recover, come back in the afternoon, into the nets um same day which was something that i was you know for me that's unheard of when you grow up to new south wales you don't you know and train on the same days that you, you don't bowl on the same days you train the gym but um the facilities were are pretty good over there um we, there's a high performance center there in mooresby the ground that um we're not you know we're not so blessed with um heaps of wickets and accommodated with lots of turf wickets we only have one main ground in, in Moresby. um so we're training there and that's basically base you know you're stuck there um Nine to five, Monday to Friday, loving it. Like the people there the, and the staff at Cricket pins are amazing people. Um, you, you meet, you know, you meet all their kids and their family. It's just, it's a real family orientated yeah. culture up in New Guinea, as you can imagine, and uh, it's just a beautiful place. So you never really want to leave. Um, you know, when you when you go, because you're always caught telling stories with everyone after the training or the game. So you know, you know, yeah. it becomes from from like eight to three is probably really training, and then you're leaving at five every day, and you come back the next day and get back into it. So uh flying economy uh, wherever you go you fly <laughs> and your baggage allowances are you know 30 kilos so you gotta you gotta pack tight pack light as well we're not we're not really given uh, until this world cup we weren't really given you know the the biggest baggage allowances on tours and things like that as well so you you kind of learn to pack light you you learn to you know don't carry that extra pair of gloves things like that as well so uh, yeah, it's it's interesting you know we're not, and, and the pay like you know like as some people say you're professional athletes and things and it's it's not it's I'd call it probably semi-professional growing up in Australia and being you know exposed mm. to that and knowing what you know the top guys are getting um, but you know it, it, the guys that are there they they put in day in day out coaches as well um, day in day out and they're passionate about what they do um, and they just you know it's simple simple living you go and train, and then you go and hang with the family afterwards, So you, you know, you better, I've, I've introduced all the boys to coffee, so I'm the I'm the coffee connoisseur and uh, <laughs> brought that into the team, so a few of the boys love a love a coffee brew as well. So uh, yeah, no, it's, and then you know, so I, I got I got drafted into the squad. So I got a phone call out of the blue. I had a good season in first grade. Got called out of the blue by Dipak Patel, who was the current coach at the time um, of the Barry Money side. Called me, and said, "Chatty we're going to be going over to Europe for the T20 World Cup qualifiers in 2015. And that's going to be over in Europe. We're doing a two month trip and we're going to be having a camp in Brisbane first. So we, we're going to be flying up to Brisbane. You're, to, you're a part of the squad and then we're going to pick the, name the final squad after that. So uh, I got picked tonight that and then, yeah, went to the camp, had an awesome time with the boys in Brisbane. We're based in Brisbane. A lot of our tours, we start sort of starting Brisbane and based here. And then, um, yeah, got got given my first game against the Netherlands in Holland. Went over to Holland and played we were on this two month round trip. So we played this one day series before the qualifiers and played. Uh, got given the nod um, playing at Rotterdam, which was um, an amazing place in itself in, in, in Holland mm. there. And um, yeah, got my first cap there, uh, my baggy black and number one one two. Uh, yeah, it was amazing.
0: What did that mean to you at that point? Like you've you've gone through. Travels, journeys, playing first grade cricket, like which for, you know, you, you've you've somewhat set it off as a, as, you know, it's just playing first grade, but like to play first grade cricket is a tough, tough slog and sometimes the highest level of cricket. So for example, for me, that is the highest cricket I'm ever going to play and have played. But what was that moment like where you've gone, I've worked my butt off, I've trained hard, I've done this, I've sacrificed a couple of things as well, you know, like I've sacrificed uni, I've sacrificed putting... L- life in the sense of a, a normal person that's not outside of sport you've put that on hold what was that like when you received your baggie at that point and like i'm a, forever going to be etched in png cricket history as a as a player
1: yeah yeah I, uh, I still get a bit of you know i get goosebumps thinking about it because um all i could think about at the time was just how like my, my dad and my mum taught me from a young age that they, they always said you're gonna play like they just basically spoke it over me from a young age and saying like whatever sport you choose, you're going to make it to the top level because you've got the right attitude, you're set apart. You know, there's, it just reminded me of all the sacrifices from school, not going to parties, not drinking, not getting into that crowd, you know, having early nights for any sport I play, being taught that from a young age. And those, all, all those things sort of came flooding back, you know, all the different you know, things that I've said no to or, you know, made decisions for, for, for cricket. And, um, yeah, they all came flooding back on the day. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I remember the guy that presented me, my cap was, um, he's still involved in me. He's still the, one of the assistant coaches, John Ovia, and he he took me under his wing on my first trip to PNG, uh, took me to his place, met his family, you know, in the village and gave me one of his barramundi singlets from there. And, you know, that was in 2012, 2015, I'm running out with my own, you know, barramundi singlet and, and baggy, you know, baggy black. And uh, there's a lot of value that gets put on that as a Papua New Guinea player and, I understood the weight of the, you know, the value of it, and um, yeah, I remember running out there just going, okay, now it's time to have fun, like, because you've done all this work, you've done, you've made sacrifices. Now it's time to, you've got a chance to actually go and do something. And I just remember that feeling of just going, like, let's, let's, let's go, let's do this, like, let's go out there and just, you know, give, give everything. And and you, you, if you, I find like this is with all cricket. If you put the team first, your job just takes care of itself. If your mindset is completely for others all the pressure that a lot of guys that are, you know, worrying about their performance, you know, if you're, if you're looking outwards, that usually your own performance gets, look, you know, looked after on it's insane. And I find that's a life, that's something in life that I've learned. But um, that day, I remember just trying to give everything for my, for my team uh, as I, you know, that's kind of my mantra at the moment, um, like with any sport, but um, putting everything out for the other boys, I didn't feel any pressure because I was just kind of like, you know, this is another game of cricket, really. This, this, if you're just playing for the other 10 guys on the team, then, just becomes another game of cricket where you just have to do your job and you know, everything just takes care of itself. So,
0: do you remember how you went?
1: I uh, got a got two I think I got two for two far forty odd or ten. Um, first wicket was uh, Stefan Weiberg, who's still still around the Netherlands team now at the moment. He's a bit of a veteran now, yeah. and I knew all about him. You know, you know all these players because being a part of the team, everyone knows who who's who. You know? But um, yeah, I got a Stefan I nicked him off, um, which was pretty cool, you know. And, uh, Wicket keeper and I are pretty close, being another Shark supporters. That like he's a diehard Shark supporter, so I just remember running straight because he took the catch and just running straight to, straight to him, Jackie Boy, and yeah, just getting his biggest hug, you know. And the first thing he said is, "That's my Sharky brother," you know? So uh, just, <laughs> it's a good feeling, man. It's a good feeling, yeah. Um uh, Timmy, Timmy so Vanagrooten was on the other team, um, on that, and Ben yep. Cooper as well. He's who's still there, but Vanagrooten was there, and I remember being in the not, not you know, the eighteen squad with him for New South Wales. Um, when we were, he was coming through, and I used to be so scared of his, like, he's, he was pretty quick back then, you know. And he's quick, he was yeah. sharp. And I remember first ball at the face, like, I faced up in Timmy's bowling, and he was already smiling at me at the top of his mark because he knew that I was scared of him. So I didn't even see the first ball. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was cool having those kind of guys out there as well, just reminding me of the journey that you know we've all come through. So I
0: love that story. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Timmy Timmy Good, and that's, a, that's yeah. a good story. I played a little bit of cricket with him as well. He's a little bit younger than me, but that is. That's a great little story. The big thing that came through at the current World Cup for me, obviously, we knew um, the qualification for you to even get there was an amazing feat. You know, you needed results to go their way, and if we were to go into that, there'd be another hour long for this podcast. Yes. <laughs> but you, you, you played, you played well, I'll say, in that tournament, and then results went your way, and then you qualified to get into this World Cup, which which was just incredible. Scenes, you know, like we were so so excited that. You know, a guy that we play cricket with is, is going to be um, in the World Cup. The thing that really got me, and it was something that even you know, uh, when we were watching it, yeah, even my housemate and I were talking about, was the national anthem and your PNG national anthem. And then the panning across, and you you probably you might not have seen this, or you may have seen the footage afterwards, but half your support staff and a lot of your teammates were. Um, I guess they were quite emotional, borderline in tears, um, over the fact that you were there, um, PNG cricketers playing in a world cup. So I suppose my question, being an associate nation, so a smaller nation, you're not playing necessarily against the big wigs and and these types of things, but what does PNG cricket from your experience actually mean to PNG, like the people of Papua New
1: Guinea? Yeah. Well, um, Papua New Guinea number one sports rugby league so that, and that's always that's instilled in everyone you know it'd be like um, it'd be like coming from New Zealand and, and just playing rugby only and just knowing that knowing all about rugby and every player that plays and they're like that with like the league over there so uh, being from Papua New Guinea there's only certain villages and certain areas that are, have a lot of players from that area and you know and they have a bit of history with you know with cricket and then I think once we qualified and then the way that it was portrayed you know, when we came home you could see that the support was growing and growing and growing. And then even to a stage where the NRL players were promoting us on their social media and things like that. So it really blew up the support. And then, um, yeah, it was, oh, man, it was tingles thinking about the anthem now, but just being able to be out there with your brothers. And the anthem gets me every time because it just mentions mm. some, there's some lyrics in there that, you know, talk about, you know, you're sons of the land um you know from and you you're giving you're giving glory to god which for me coming from that background uh, of church and being brought up in church it really it really speaks to me and it, and it you know and probably being a christian nation as well um uh, really really you know pumps you up as as you can imagine and really motivates you because it's kind of like well we're here representing you know a, a land of people that are right behind us and everyone's backing us but also representing it for a higher purpose and whatever you believe in you know like I'm not you know I fully I fully back anyone that has so much faith in whatever they believe and they give everything to and I, I love that and that's you know it's a big part of myself and um being yeah it's just it's just like I said it's a real family culture and being a Pacific Islander you see it in a lot of different cultures and in the islands how they embrace family and um yeah just being able to just think about my family and and, my, and not only my immediate family, but my cousins and family members that are, you know, been sending all the messages beforehand, you know, it was just, it just all hits you at once, you know, with your arm in and arm and, and sitting there mm. and singing the song and hearing hearing your brothers sing it next to you as well. It's pretty powerful, you know. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was amazing because you realise that you actually are, um, I never thought, well, I always had a dream to, but I never thought that one day I'd actually just standing there singing an anthem uh, for the country of my mother's birth as well. And it really, you know, really, brought up a lot of a lot of emotions inside all this um and we actually got a, a, I'll tell you a story we, the night before the captain had organized we had, he didn't tell anyone but he he organized for um the families to all send a message through to to uh, the captain's wife and she put together a, basically a powerpoint and when they sent it to the team and he didn't want to see it either but we had a team meeting the night before the first game and um yeah they said oh we're going to show you guys something and we thought like from previous tours coaches have put up videos of us playing well and you know highlights of us doing well you know as the players and everything so we thought oh, i might be another player package you know just to grab the boys up but um it was the first message that came up was um the captain's uh baby boy coming on and speaking like last time i saw him which was because of covid three years ago so last time i saw him he was speaking in like broken um pidgin english and, and mixed with other languages that he's from his family and he was speaking perfect english and it just set like set everyone off like we all and he was just wishing his father he was wearing his barramundi shirt wishing his father good luck and all the boys good luck and just you know perfect speech and then we thought that was it we thought oh that's and then the next thing, you know the next another family come on another family and then it just rolled on and all the kids wearing their father's jerseys and everything wishing us all good luck you know and then my family got up and i, I got a shock because i thought oh, i might just be all the you know png boys families you know and then um yeah just just hit us hard, man, and just knowing that, you know, the family are actually all behind us, here, you know, no matter how we go. Because we hadn't gone very well in the games leading up to the World Cup um, games, but just the fact that our family was still sitting behind us, and, yeah, man, it was, it was really emotional times. It was awesome.
0: The emotion came through so strong. By the third game, we were singing the anthem here. <laughs> like, we were ready to go. Like, we were we were pumped. But, like, That's I um, just watching it, though, and it was such an emotional time because there's so many levels of you know underdog achievement associate nation making you know the the grand stage and those things it's not as if like you know you weren't one of the major countries that just got picked every year and you just turn up because you're that like a lot of work goes um into you getting to there you know like you play on astro decks and vanuatu you play in rotterdam you play in amman you go to dubai you play three games and then you fly back like I know, like, throughout the grade season when we were playing together, it's like, oh, Chaddy's not available this week because he's in Dubai for <laughs> six <nightmare>. days. <laughs> yeah, he's playing two game. He's playing two games and he's flying back. He'll fly back Friday night, so he might be able to play. But like, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into that, and that's what I was kind of explaining to a couple of people. Like these things, um, yeah, it's it's not as if he just turns up and plays, and you know, his selection, getting picked, and doing all that, and making sure he performance is back um, in Sydney are really good. I suppose where I'm going with this and you've mentioned it a few times is right you're at the end of your career per se and you and you're thinking about, you know, whatever. At what who do you thank at that point? What do you put, you know, your success, your ability to play, play cricket, represent PNG, you know, in ten years time when Chatty Soap is retired. <laughs> You're still gonna be playing. Yeah. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what you, who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who
0: who who are you thinking? What are you doing there?
1: Uh yeah, so I, I had a few um days leading into the first game that I played, I, I just I actually had a few moments where I just thought back on everyone that was in my network, um, leading up to this uh, moment and you sort of would get into that sort of point of self reflection, you know. So I was yeah, I wrote down a few things about certain players and certain people that were in my life on the way up and uh, coming through. So yeah, I they all know who they are. But oh, there's so many, there's so many coaches that I've had. There's so many captains that I've had that you know have you know led me to this point. And like you've said, it, it is a journey. And and uh, you know, but I, I always come back to my father and my mother and. And my aunties and you know people that have always prayed for me and it reminded me that they're always praying for me, even when I've had my rough trots or I've had injuries or I've not been selected in teams where I thought I was going to get selected in, and you have your little you know moments like that. So um, yeah, it's just it's just I think it's just about recognising you know who was there and who has <coughs> been there along the whole way, you know, and. Um, I've always, I've always thanked, I'll always, I'll always thank my my family first, and then I'll always thank God, but I'll always, always thank my church family as well, and having brothers and sisters that edify you and re- pull you up and remind you of who you are um, off the field, uh, because that's who you reflect on the field, you know, so, um, and then also, like, a lot of the teachers along the way um, that I've had that shaped me into the man I, that I am as well with people and encourage me to just chase it, and, you know, that. Um, you, you create your own journey and you set apart, you know, so you don't have to buy, buy into what everyone that's everyone around you is doing. You can always go the journey that you want to go. So, um, yeah, just those, those people, may know who they are. But like like I even mentioned before, the guy that, um, apart from my family, the guy that my first boss at um, Athletes Foot there, yeah. Ray, like he taught me a lot and I like I, I actually gave him a jersey um, when we qualified. I gave him that qualified jersey, one of the jerseys that we got there. I gave it to him because... He, he's been there the whole way. He's the one who's had to sacrifice shifts for me and find people to back me up when I've gone overseas and you know not come back for two months and then give me the work when I've come back. And uh he taught me a lot about um, actually wanting to make it. He said, how many, you know, I remember, I'll, never forget the, I'll never forget the day he told me, he said, how many sessions are you doing a week? And I said, oh, well, you know, I'll train Tuesday, Thursday with the team. And he said, no, 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 not, apart from that, how many sessions are you doing a week? How many sessions a day are you doing? He said because I can tell you now the best players are doing two to three sessions a day, and that doesn't mean you'd be hitting a thousand balls or bowling a thousand balls. It's you know, a session can be just going to the gym and strengthening an area that you need, you know, that is a weakness, or getting up early, going for a run, running into the ocean, swimming, doing your recovery, things things like this. I mean, he always said, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Chad, Kobe Bryant trains three times a day. How many sessions are you doing? you said, You're doing one, uh, one or two a week. I said, Yeah, well, I'm doing, yeah, okay, brought me back into square one, you know. and he said you know Kobe's already two sessions in front of him now. And every time every day you get up and do one session Kobe's two sessions in front how good do you want to be you don't even want this and it just kick-started something in me to just chase this and just actually go you know what okay and you know this might only be three years of my life or I might go out on the weekend and hurt my arm and might never play again be able to bowl a ball again um, you know what have you done until this point well I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve so what are you doing what are you going to do to get there and then um, just being able to just think back on those people that have taught me things like that along the way, just been you know it just it like I said it hit me on game day, and just you know it it brought me to tears because I'm a pretty I wear my heart on my sleeve so you, you could probably see it when in the anthems and things like that. It's just mm. that's just who I am and I've just you know sometimes I can't hide how I feel and it definitely came out that day. I was in tears man. I couldn't I couldn't hold it. <laughs> it was awesome.
0: You were crying. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, were Definitely crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will pin you on that. Don't right. worry. Yeah. Um, but we loved it though, because we knew the sacrifice you'd made and we knew the sacrifice other people had made. And that's why I wanted you to, I love hearing that because it's not like there's so many people that have had to sacrifice, you know, time and, you know, driving down the highway and doing all this and, you know, just to, to, to get to sport and those things. Um, what was better hitting the six over mid on or taking wickets?
1: Um, hard <laughs> i think taking i think taking wickets just considering who they were like in um in that scottish team that when i did take those wickets they're they're probably the key the key guys i would have loved to get gotten the uh the guy that got 70 a bit earlier but um Mm. those three are the sort of the the guys that we were trying to target and make sure we got so um just getting that first one especially that first one Muncie's a he's a very good player and you're probably those that are watching the world cup you get Scotland off to a good start all the time. So just being able to, I think wickets are always important because you're putting your body on the line. Uh, you're running in, and it doesn't always happen for you, and when, when you bowl your best ball, but when they do happen, it's a celebration. It's like in soccer when you're watching football on TV and they score a goal. There's so much elation because it's not always you're not always going to take a score in the game. And it's the same with you know cricket in, in that in that respect that you're not always going to get a wicket. You, know, you might bowl the best over of your life, and the best ball of your life, and things like that, or you might. Mm hit a thousand um, balls during the week and you're all prepared and you get out and on the weekend you get out first ball to a one decision. You, it, it's just, you've got to make the most of it. Like I said, I'm making the most of every opportunity. So when that first week it came, I was up, oh, man. It was, and he caught it yeah, too. Like yeah. I was just so great. Cool. I've had so many catches dropped off my ball before. It um, went
0: high.
1: It went very high and it was a lot riding on that <laughs> one. But yeah, no, that, that was definitely, that was pretty cool.
0: It's awesome to hear your story. i got one more question um, yeah. for you. Um, and then we'll let you get back to doing absolutely nothing um, in <laughs> quarantine. So, <laughs> I was going to say, Greeny said the same thing. Greeny was like, we could have a seven-day episode if you want. because
1: I'm I'll happy to. I'll log in tomorrow <laughs> again at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's next for, for Chad Soap? Obviously, getting outside of those four walls there and getting back down to Sydney because you're based in Brisbane at the moment for this lockdown. Um, what's next for you, mate? Yeah, so get back with
1: the boys from um, Northern Districts. Uh, we start our season. They start this weekend, so hopefully get my body uh, ready to go for that. I had a bit of a, uh, a sore time, I could say. I was, I'll call it a sore time because I was I was in a pain a fair bit in those games. I was playing injured, um, but I delayed that delayed my recovery process. Uh, obviously playing those games, so I'm still coming back with a little bit of a side strain, a little niggle. Uh, so I get my body right for that. I've been doing my workouts here in the in the in the in the room, but um. Get my body right for that and uh, hopefully get accustomed to daylight savings and things as well because my I'm severely jet-lagged. So that's why the Xbox mm. is getting a good workout. Um, so I'll get back into the swing of things and uh, yeah, get back to the family and just see, just see my family again and good to get around the boys and, and support them on the weekends and, and get out there. So that'll be it for me, really. Come back and then we, I mean, next year we've got a very busy year with PNG cricket um, as well. We've got qualif- World Cup qualifiers the um, so next T21 is actually in Australia next week. So qualifiers will be in Dubai in February. So that'll be the next sort of goal for me is to just get my body and have a good season with the Northern Districts boys in, in Sydney there. And then, um, get ready to go and hopefully put myself up for selection again to go again. So yeah, there we awesome.
0: go. Well, it'll be, it'll be good to have you back in the baggy blues. I'm not playing this year, as you know, but it'll be good to definitely uh, come down and, and have a look and, um, get a training. and watch as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no way hey? no
0: way oh man no oh, being the there and done yeah no i i went and saw the boys on the weekend it was good to good to catch up with them and and see them a few a little side note for you chatty because we yes. played against each other obviously when you were um the wrong side of the highway at gordon yes. for a little bit you never got me out mate you bowled to me nah. many a times you yeah. never got me out i think um, you got rung Everybody else but by you yeah i got 61 day against you guys um yeah. You made me look like a massive goose for that first um, hour. I reckon I chipped around and I reckon I nearly nicked everything you bowled at me for a while. But the one thing I remember playing with you and we obviously just, we kicked it off relatively early being uh, the Christian dudes in the in the old yep. cricket, cricket circle. And I remember <laughs> just playing you and being like, Mate, you were the nicest bloke to play against, but the most competitive bastard out of all of them. Like, it was like, <laughs> I, know, I know exactly where he's coming from and I, I think we're exactly the same person, just we play for, um, yeah. for different teams and you um, obviously a lot of different skill sets because I wouldn't know how to bowl at all. Um, but it's, it was that. always awesome. Love playing against you.
1: I remember the time when we, uh, I think we had to do covers because it rained it by Tara it shocked me. But um, I remember the time <laughs> we had to do covers together and you came up to it and you're like, we just good to have another fellow brother in Christ on the field with me, and i will never forget that day. It was, it was one of my first games at Waitara and uh, yeah, I'll never forget that day. I don't know where—I know—but that might have been the game, but, but I'll never forget it. Like it was one of the first things that stuck out to me, and I just remember going like, I thought I'd like, you know, when you you, you know someone and you feel like you have known them for years, it was like that when yeah. the first in that moment. I just knew that I like—I well, already knew that there was that connection already, and I didn't haven't even met you yet. And then when you when you said that to me, I thought, yeah, that's that. That's that difference about him that I noticed, you know. So it was always from there that I think, um, yeah, that, that was my first sort of memories I've forgotten the game. Thankfully, we probably didn't go by well, once. So yeah,
0: well. <laughs> I can't remember. All I know is uh, Brett Ro- Brett Rosen was keeping and he sledged me the whole time because Nick Miller was trying to get me out the whole time. So that was pretty funny. And Nick Miller has <laughs> got me out many a time since. So oh, I can't uh, which is which is always which is always what a heck? good little story. No. Um, well, it's been awesome. Um, to chat with you thank you for your time uh, like I said though you didn't really have a choice because you're you're stuck there so thank you for giving up your one <laughs> hour of not not playing uh, shoddy snipes on uh, Halo so thank you mate, for that um, I feel sorry for anyone awesome.
1: that was I feel sorry for anyone that's had to listen to me ramble for the last hour about myself I'm not like this nice usually
0: <laughs> <laughs> mate the people the people have spoken mate I put the survey up and Chatty Soper that. came through two to three times so mate you probably yeah. blame a couple of the NDs boys for throwing you right under the bus there but 100%. Uh, it has <laughs> been it has been awesome to chat. I can't wait to see you in person again. We have a swim at Freshie or up the coast. That will be really really good. But um,
1: good
0: mate. Mate, it's been awesome to have you on the High People podcast. Thank you, yeah, for sharing your story. It's just absolutely awesome.
1: Good to be here, mate. Thanks to thanks for the opportunity. To I'm I'm actually really grateful and stoked to be a part of this. Uh, what a what a great thing you've got going here. I look forward to listening to the future ones after mine. i will be better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Shadi. Here's good man. Out.